and you're seeing people like the Guinnesses, uh, you know, who were Methodists getting dreams from the Lord for a beer recipe that would help combat gin drinking. You're uh, it's, just, it's such a crazy time in the history of the church. Welcome, friend. This is Brian Del Turco with Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 120. The world is in crisis. The question is, how do God's people respond to crisis? One of the things I appreciate about today's guest is his passion for biblical knowledge lived out in the lives of God's people. But listen to this, wedded with the life and power of the Holy Spirit doing greater things in the same way that Jesus invited his disciples to do greater things. We have that same invitation today from Jesus. Michael Hoff is with us today, and our dialogue centers around this crucial focus point. How can we meet this moment as God's people with perspective, being able to look back in the history of Christ's movement and also looking forward to the climaxing of the movement in the new heavens and the new earth. In other words, having an eternal perspective. And how can we give due diligence and honor to our calling as Christ followers and respond to this present global crisis in a way that pleases him? How can we consciously position ourselves for personal renewal during this time, we are even going to hear about something that blew me away. The Guinnesses, as in Guinness beer, Methodists in Europe who received dreams from the Lord about a beer recipe that would be a counterpoint to the alcoholism and the gin drinking, the, the hyper-alcoholic problem in Europe. Michael calls it a mill in a cup. Uh, the Guinnesses used uh, proceeds from their prosperous company to fund the gospel of the kingdom to care for their workers, and they sought to live out primitive Christianity and, and with a sense of personal renewal and consecration that actually affected culture and society. You'll hear about Michael's new YouTube channel, Digital Theologian. I encourage you to go to the show notes page for this episode at jesussmart.com slash godpeople, godpeople, to dive a little deeper, and you're going to see their links and resources mentioned in the episode today by, by Michael. Can I just say, I encourage you to go back and listen to episodes 118 and 119. These are just two beta prayer episodes that we're testing out, praying against the coronavirus, episode 118, and then episode 119 great joy is necessary for strong prayer for the nations. What we're seeking to do there as we experiment with this is give a about a 10-minute episode, give a prayer dynamic at the beginning, and then focus on some national issue, some nation, some geopolitical issue, something that's global. Jesus said, my house, my ecclesia will be called a house of prayer for the nations. And friend, little pro tip here, little fun fact, Jesus may be turning tables over right now on all kinds of different levels. Um, I just think that could be happening. Well, let's get right to the conversation with Michael. It's loaded. I know you're going to enjoy it. It's going to challenge you. It's going to inspire you. I appreciate Michael Hoff. Here we go.
Okay, listener, I'm excited today to have soon to be Dr. Michael Hoff, PhD. Okay, we'll talk about that. But with us today, talking about the present crisis that we're in, the coronavirus crisis in America and around the world. How can we respond? What can we learn perspective from church history about how our ancestors in the faith processed crises like these, even bigger ones than we're currently undergoing? And what can we learn about personal renewal during this time? How are you doing today, Michael? Before we get into your bio, give us a short burst. What can we learn through this present crisis? Uh, hey, Brian. Yeah, I, I think that one of the key things that we can learn from this crisis is perspective. As a Western church, especially as Americans, we have such a short historical consciousness. We're only aware of what's immediately in front of us. And as people who claim to follow an eternal God that are living for uh, eternity with Christ, that we have this eternal perspective that, uh, man, that through moments like this, that we can really latch on to the perspective of eternity. And Mm. we don't have to miss out on or lose sight of the fact that we're here in a moment, but that there is something bigger. There's the kingdom of God that we are a part of, and that is so much bigger than what is right in front of us right now. So whether that's looking to the past or looking to the future, uh, we have have perspective that attaches us to eternity. Uh, Is there any inference there that we should be dialing down Fox News and CNN, I suppose, maybe? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, choose your your news site of source, uh, whether that's, you know, Fox or CNN or YouTube or even uh, email newsletters. I think it can be helpful to, to t- turn the volume down on that stuff a little bit and maybe tune it out some, um, you know, because there's only so much of that that is genuinely helpful. I think we have an awareness of what is going on. Uh, and, you know, you want to stay up to date, but maybe restricting your media diet to once a day yeah. uh, would be mentally beneficial for most of us. Yeah, and I'm a big fan, too, of the new media and newsletters and other sources of alternative information as well. That, absolutely. What can we do? Just one more question right now. What can we do right now uh, to position ourselves to be personally renewed during this time? Yeah, this is where I love drawing on the history of the church because the idea of solitude and of drawing away with the Lord is not something that is new. This has been practiced by early Christians from the Desert Fathers through monasticism to uh, whether it's the the Pentecostal and and charismatic movements with, you know, taking time to, to be away with the Lord, soaking prayer and us connecting with God individually, one-on-one during this time, I think is the most beneficial thing that we can do. Because as we're forced into isolation, we're forced to have more downtime. This is such a powerful time for us to connect with God, to deepen our faith, to to really be renewed individually, so that when uh, we're able to go out uh, again, you know, that we can connect with people. And for those that are on the front lines, and that is especially important in those. I know that there are nurses and doctors working, you yeah. know, 12, 13 hour days, yeah. day in, day out. And for them man, to, to take just even a few minutes uh, throughout your shift at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, on your breaks, just to be refreshed in the Lord, um, being aware and cultivating the presence of the Lord in the midst of what you're doing, knowing that you're doing the work of God. Uh, in the midst of everything that's going on. I think that those are the kind of things that we can do as individuals to be renewed. So whether that's diving into scripture or pulling ourselves away for prayer, uh, there really should be a a sense that we as, as the body of Christ can go deeper during this time. 
Absolutely. Um, and what can we do to cluster digitally? I mean, Zoom is exploding right now, I understand. Yeah. Um, can we do things with something like Zoom and, and cluster in prayer or in encouragement or the sharing of information? Would you recommend that? Yeah, you know, I think those things are great. There are a ton of digital alternatives, whether it's, you know, something like Zoom or, I mean, being on Facebook or Instagram. I mean, going where people are, you know, and, and in those moments trying to provide some hope provide some clarity, provide some peace, you know, and to be uh, with one another in those digital spaces. I mean, sometimes just a laugh uh, is good. You know, we know yeah. scripture says that, you know, laughter does good yeah, like medicine. Absolutely. So in times like this, uh, there are some folks that are, are you know, their minds are going uh, to the worst case scenario constantly and having somebody just uh, insert a joke is, is necessary. So, yeah, I think they, us being with people, we need, you know, the fullness of the body of Christ. And so to get together with other people online, yeah, I, that's great. We need the fullness of the body of Christ. That's an, that's an important phrase right there. I, I love that. Let me give you a, a little bit of um, Michael's background. He has a Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Literature in Old Testament from from Oral Roberts University. Um, how was your experience there, Michael? That's my alma mater as well. And I know you met your wife, Beth, there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's about all you need to know about my experience at ORU. I met my <laughs> wife there. So everything else is downhill after that. No, uh, we actually met in Greek class and uh, started dating during Pentateuch. So uh, oh. she was an Old Testament major. Uh, I was a, an Old Testament major. So Old Testament, New Testament. Um, I had a New Testament minor. That's why we ended up in so many classes together. And she took some electives in the Old Testament. So uh, we started hanging out in class. But I had a great experience at ORU. I mean, it was highly formational for me. I'm still connected with a lot of my friends from from being there, you know, folks that are in ministry literally all over the world now as a result of that. And um, and it was a time of, of deep spiritual formation, you know, college, undergrad, it's it, you process through a lot of things sure do. and question your foundations. And to be able to do that in uh, a, like in a theology department that is biblically grounded, takes seriously the Word of God, uh, and yet the the movement of the Holy Spirit within the individual lives, I mean, it, it was a refreshing place to be asking some very big, important questions. Yeah, so your wife majored in New Testament, right? So yeah. to, together, I would say you have the whole counsel of God's Word together. <laughs> In your marriage, that's 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 good, and then uh, yeah, my wife studied for two years there. We were married. Uh, I went a little bit later to ORU, not like at eighteen. I actually went at twenty-four. I, I was in ministry before that. Went at the age of twenty-four. We were married on fall break of my first year. <laughs> she studied two years there, but I had a tremendous time there. I never regretted a moment of it. I still think of it very fondly, and it's certainly a foundational time. And then you got your Master of Divinity degree from. Ashland Theological Seminary. Yeah. I, know, I know that's a big, thick degree. Did you have any particular track or concentration there in that MDiv? I didn't. You know, thanks to the the prerequisites, I was able to get as a result of having so much biblical literature in undergrad. Um, I had enough time spent that I could have had an Old Testament concentration, but uh, I kept it general track. And, uh, you know, while I was there, I really, really found a love for the history of the church, uh, especially the Methodist movement, uh, the evangelical revival uh, that was in England, um, really, you know, with John Wesley, Charles Wesley, uh, George Whitfield, uh, and then seeing how that's connected both to the Moravian movement on the mainland of Europe and then uh, 
uh, in America with the First Great Awakening and Jonathan Edwards. There, there are a lot of relational connections. Um, Wesley personally connected with Zinzendorf and the Moravians, and uh, then Whitfield personally connected with Jonathan Edwards. Uh, and so seeing those kind of relational connections uh, at the top across major renewal movements, okay. uh, wow. that was something that was fascinating for me. Um, but it was really fascinating, too, to study Scripture among brethren, these Anabaptists, this uh, tradition. The, yeah, that I had historical tradition had, of that school, isn't yeah, it? The brethren, yeah. yeah, Ashland is a brethren school, and I'd not had any connection with uh, any Anabaptist movement really prior to that. And uh, seeing their their real emphasis on you know, Matthew 5, 6, 7, with the Sermon on the Mount— uh, you know, they really take seriously the teachings of Jesus and try to live those out in a way that, um, you know, they, they unabashedly endorse uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And they say, yes, this is vital. And we're going to live according to that above maybe some other portions of Scripture. And I think there's an intellectual honesty uh, in that. I think a lot of us do that. You know, Reformed folks take Romans and they really try to to you know, process everything through Romans. Um, but we'll say, oh, we hold all of God's word in the same, but functionally, I think we do have different segments of, of scripture that our portion of the body of Christ emphasizes. And within Pentecostal and charismatic streams, Acts, the book of Acts, you know, takes on a, a greater weight sure. yeah. in some way, certainly than the book of Deuteronomy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, boy. I love the high-octane church history and theology here. My my BA was in theological and historical studies. I love this. You're going to get a sense of this today in terms of understanding the history of renewal, how we can be personally renewed, and specifically how we can make application to this present, <clears throat> excuse me, this present moment that we're in. You, you've served in pastoral ministry for over a decade, <clears throat> and I know that a, a, a key value in your pastoral ministry is wanting to see biblical theology lived out in people's lives and encountering the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, yeah. wedded with that Bible and Holy Spirit. You know, I think from a from a values perspective, I, I've always tried to help people gain a broader perspective, gain, gain a broader understanding of what God is doing and what God has done in the past through Scripture, and then how we continue to find ourselves on that same trajectory. The book of Acts really doesn't have a hard, clear ending, but it's almost as though we're invited into the story. And for me, that is one of the most beautiful things about the way that God works with his people is that we have the same Holy Spirit, that Jesus died for us in the same way that he died for the early church, that he called us to do greater things in the, in the same way that he mm -hmm. invited his disciples to do greater things. And out of that, we now have uh, this, this responsibility, this opportunity uh, to connect in with that story and to, to carry that forward. And so... I love you know, that. I, Carry it forward. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we get, yeah, I mean, sometimes we get locked into the, just, it's my world and me and, yeah. and this little perspective, but now we're a part of a, a thousand, 2000 plus year story, you know, of God working with his people. And so we're invited into that. And so when you see people working in scripture, connecting with the Lord, being filled with the Holy Spirit, seeing signs and wonders, you know, within the New Testament, uh, the invitation is still there. That same Holy Spirit is at work in the world now. And so, you know, for, for us to not just be cowering in fear in moments like this, but to embrace the spirit of life, the yes, Holy Spirit, the spirit, and to say, how can we respond in faith and in hope and in love, and then move forward out of that.
spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2, right? And I, I just love this understanding of fitting our personal life narrative into a much larger grand narrative that's unfolding, right? The story of Jesus and his kingdom. I love that. Yeah. Now, now, you are personally now pursuing your PhD in renewal theology at Regent University in Virginia. What is your focus there, Michael? What's your dissertation and, and what contribution are you hoping to, to make moving forward? Yeah, well, I've already teased it a little bit. Uh, that, that fascination that I had uh, starting in my master's program with John Wesley and the Methodist movement, uh, that is what my dissertation will eventually be on. But the degree as a whole is focused on it's a degree in renewal theology with a concentration in church history. So that's really focusing on where the church has been at its best. Uh, even in the midst of dark times. I mean, that is the the essence of whether, you know, it's the, the political dark times, whether it's uh, dark times, even within the history of Christianity, uh, whether that's the Middle Ages or uh, real, really, the, that is the Middle Ages. But, you know, these dark moments uh, that there have always been, um, you know, to use a biblical term, there's been a remnant. There have been those within the church who have sought renewal. And, um, so really focusing on that and in my degree program, the coursework, we look at each broad segment of the history of the church. We look at the early church, the medieval church, um, the, the Reformation era, and then even into, uh, you know, the Pentecostal and charismatic renewal, and then even current day All events right. within the, the church. And so it's kind of this broad sweeping program that we, we look at the ways in which the church has been renewed. Um, and for me, uh, I'm going to be focusing specifically on the way uh, John Wesley, uh, you know, I'm going to be focusing specifically on John Wesley and uh, one year in his life, 1738. He comes back from America as a failed missionary, mm -hmm. uh, has an experience at a Moravian meeting mm -hmm. uh, on Aldersgate Street, where then he says he feels his heart strangely warmed. Right. And that really overturns much of what uh, his his ministry had been up until that point, and his ministry takes off. But uh, toward the end of that year, he actually goes to Germany and spends several months with the Moravians. And so I want to look at that specific year, look at what he was reading, look at everything he was writing, and kind of do a detailed historical analysis of that and say, what can we learn from this? What can we unpack from that? And uh, how can we renew society? Because honestly, the the evangelical movement uh, in England transformed British society. Okay. Uh, at, a, at a cultural level, at a societal yes. level. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I want to focus on. I mean, when you wow. see... Uh, Child care, uh, child labor laws being in right. place, yep. uh, sane asylums being created because prior to that, the mentally ill were thrown in prison. Um, you're seeing prison reform. You're you're seeing, um, you know, what would be the equivalent of the heroin epidemic then was the gin crisis, and you're seeing people like the Guinnesses, uh, you know, who were Methodists getting dreams from the Lord for a beer recipe that would help combat gin drinking. You're uh, kidding. It's, just, it's such a crazy time in the history of the church. A beer recipe. So, now, what year would that have been? Yeah. I And uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember the exact year, but if you look up the history of, uh, wow. of Guinness, uh, there's been a, there's a book written called God and Guinness, uh, and you could, you You're can kidding. check it out. But uh, So they came uh, up they, by, by, by dreams. By dream. They from... got the recipe in okay. a dream. In a dream. Uh, <laughs> and this was the... The Guinness beer was was an alternative or a counter to a harmful, what substance or drug that they were taking. 
Yeah, gin. Um, I mean, people were drinking gin, and it would they would drink a lot of it. They could drink a lot of it, and so alcoholism was just ridiculously high in the UK during this time frame. And so the Guinness family, uh, what I mean, they talk about Guinness being a meal in a cup, and. Uh, <laughs> And so you can't drink, you can't get drunk on Guinness. It's too heavy. It's it's too heavy of a beer, I guess, to for folks to get drunk, uh, drinking Guinness. Okay. And so you drink, you drink one and you're done. You know, and that's kind of the is uh, it is it a biotic it. a biotic drink? I I wonder. Does it is it probiotic? I'm, I'm just wondering. I don't know. I, I don't okay. know the the details on it as from a health perspective. Uh, but I you know so they. They end up funding missionaries all over the world, sending gospel the gospel through Bible, you know, production, Bible translation projects. The Guinness Company. You're, yes, you're yes. kidding. And they revolutionized care of workers during that same period. If you look at at some of the things that the Guinness Company was offering, um, you know, pretty early on, it's it's incredible. I mean, on-site physicians, you know, giving offering services to their their workers. Uh, they took very good care of their people in a time when that was not common at all. And it was all motivated because they were believers in Jesus Christ who had had a, an awakening to this need to really live out primitive Christianity. But the bottom line is personal renewal in the Holy Spirit generates societal and cultural influence for the good. Yep. yep. It, the goodness of God somehow comes through that in a macro way. Yeah. I That amps me up. Now, you've started a channel now called The Digital Theologian. And, <laughs> I, and I've noticed in your uh, tagline... Uh, 2,000 years of uh, Christian analog theology for the digital age. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's exciting. How, how, how new is that channel? This is We're recording today on uh, March 30. This episode's coming out April 1, 2020. When did you start this channel? Yeah, just over a month ago. I think today's day 32, um, and I've been doing daily uploads uh, on that channel. Uh, I just felt like for Lent, I really wanted to do something to honor Jesus. And I know... Uh, you know, a lot of times people give things up for Lent, but also in the history of the church, people have taken on extra things as a sign of devotion during Lent. And so I felt like this year I really wanted to do that. And so I kicked off 40 days with Jesus, um, forgetting that Sundays don't count in Lent. Uh, so it's actually more than 40 days, okay. but uh, we've been going through the Gospel of John. I've been putting out some bonus videos on Sundays. Okay. And um, so I've been doing daily uploads um, now for just over 30 days and uh, coming down the home stretch with 40 days for Jesus, but or 40 days with Jesus. Um, we'll be closing out the Gospel of John, but then we'll be diving into some church history. We'll be talking about specific um, you know, theological perspectives and movements and then looking at the history of the church. My, my goal really is to help bring the best of the last 2,000 years of Christian teaching and uh, Christian movements and bring that to folks today. Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, here in America, in the West, you know, we have such a short historic memory yep. that we have lost a lot of the treasures of the past. And I think that uh, as we grapple with the questions of a digital age, uh, there's a lot of wisdom to be found 
in analog theology and yeah. as we but it needs to be translated mm-hmm. you know it needs to be uh, brought to folks where they're at we can't just expect everybody to go and and look up you know these sure. original sources written in in books that aren't online anywhere uh, no we need to we need to bring things to people where they're at and that's that's really my hope with the channel and uh, you know we're we're right in the middle of the gospel of john uh, you know today chapter 15 jesus you know, really calling people to abide in Him, to remain in Him, and that the growth happens as we're we are individually connected into the vine that is Jesus, and that the Father prunes us and shapes us and causes us to grow um, because we're connected with Jesus, and that all fruit in our lives really comes back to that that connection that we have, that personal individual connection that we have as we remain in the vine of Jesus. I'm feeling it, man. Wow. So I, I love what you're saying there, translating it in and contextualizing it for today. And of course, bringing it into a digital delivery. I love that. What What about this scripture where, where Jesus said in Matthew 13, 52, therefore every scribe who has mm-hmm. been trained for the kingdom of heaven, and that's a big difference, mm-hmm. isn't it? You can yeah. be a scribe and not be trained for the kingdom of heaven. You know, you can be a, a biblicist, a scholar, and really be quite uh, infantile concerning the kingdom of heaven, I think. But yeah. every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. I, What a statement. Can you Can you comment on that? <laughs> yeah, Jesus is brilliant. That's what I have to say about that. He is you know? brilliant. <laughs> Dal- as we, as, Dallas Willard yeah, says know. he's the most brilliant mind in the universe, and he knows how life works best. And what attracted people to Jesus was how he empowered the human condition. Yeah. You know, I, I love that because, the, you know, you talk about connecting in with the kingdom of God and that that is the difference. That is the distinction that as we as we get on God's wavelength, you know, as we're as we're tuning in to the values and the teachings of the kingdom of God and we're living them, that's that's the heavy part. We actually have to do it. We don't just get to talk about it. We don't just get to think about it. We actually have to do it. I mean, that's been one thing that has really been hammered home to me as I've been reading through the Gospel of John this time, is so frequently Jesus calls his disciples to be doers. Mm. He's like, hey, it's good that you understand. It's good that you get you have the knowledge, but you're blessed when you do it. And it's not in the thinking. It's not in the theology. It's in the doing okay. where where you find the blessing. My conversation with Michael will carry out over several episodes. Join us again this week. The second part of it is coming out in a couple days from the release of this episode. I think it'll be episode 122. We're going to also release an episode 121, another prayer episode, the third beta prayer episode. But yes, we'll continue with this dialogue with Michael. We're going to look into history. We're going to see precedents and patterns in the history of Christ's movement, church history. And it's going to give us perspective looking back. It's going to inspire us in in this moment. It will give us perspective looking forward as well. It's loaded. To learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com. Again, you can see the show notes page for this episode with links and additional resources at jesussmart.com slash God people. You'll see a link there to the Sacred Space app for prayer mentioned by Michael. He has a free resource for you, five easy ways to get more out of reading the Bible, a downloadable 
PDF. You can sign up uh, with the YouTube channel to, to enjoy the 40 Days with Jesus series. He's releasing a video every day during Lent. And also, of course, a connection to his new channel, Digital Theologian. He's going global on YouTube. It always helps when you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Somehow the algorithms push it out. It puts it in front of more people. That's how you can help uh, sort of evangelize this podcast, get it before more people. And uh, plus, you'll uh, if you subscribe, you'll easily be able to access new new episodes as they come out. We have an e-letter with, uh, we seek to curate there, next level ideas and insights to develop as a kingdom apprentice, as a Christ follower. It's free. It comes out most every week. Encourage you to avail yourself of that. Remember, Jesus is brilliant, brilliant beyond comprehension. He knows how this life works best right now in this moment. He also understands eternity. The future belongs to him. We'll talk with you next time.